Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Emily. Well, it's springtime, right? Now, tomorrow it may not look like springtime, or the next day, or next week, but it is springtime, and as things start to warm up, and we start to see green, and we see, you know, more birds show up, the hearts of many people who like to put things in the ground and see them grow turn to planting, right? And so there are people, I think of Chris Huerta, many of you know him, and I'm sure even down in Colorado, he's, he's got in mind whether he has the seeds even in the limited amount of, of gardening he gets to do these days. And a lot of you gardeners and farmers, you know, you've, you've had to think ahead, you've had to have had those things ordered and in place, right? Because it's a time for planting. And the hope being that you put these things in the ground and you, you treat them right, give them some water and they get sunshine, that, that out of those things we put in the ground is going to come a crop, right? And the nature of ground as God has made it is that if you, you know, go out and you look in the ground, and especially if you turn up some soil, something is going to grow out of it, right? Question is, what's going to grow out of it? Well, as Paul uh, continues on talking about how it is we walk by the Spirit, how it is we uh, keep in step with the Spirit, as he said at the end of chapter 5, uh, he, he lays, he's going to use an example here that flows right out of that kind of daily living, of planting and growing and reaping. Uh, so follow along with me, if you would, as I read... From Galatians chapter 6, uh, verses 7 through 10. It says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are of, are of the household of faith. And so we've, we've looked at this concept. How, how, do we, how do we live if we're not under the law? Well, we live walking by the Spirit. We live by, by knowing the, our Savior, being prompted by His Spirit, guided by His Word, and it involves a daily relationship, doesn't it? And so, Paul, continuing on, he says, now there's, there's a threat. There's a possibility of trouble, according to, the, to, to verse 7, the first four words. Do not be deceived. Paul says, as you walk along as, as a Christian, there are things you might get led astray about. Believers can be deceived. Just because we have the great advantages we have, we have new life in Christ, we have a new heart, we have the Holy Spirit living and dwelling within us, we have His Word, we have a body of believers 
living around us to encourage us, to, to help us stay, keep from getting off on the wrong track. But we can be deceived. In fact, you know, you have uh, uh, James, we have Paul, Jesus, all use that same language. Don't be deceived, which tells you right away, there's a possibility you might already be deceived. Or you could be deceived by things you will hear in the future, so you need to be on your guard. You have to stay on the alert, as we mentioned a few, few weeks ago, because even Satan's out there wanting to lead you astray. Your fleshly desires are within you, wanting you to just go on past the warning signs, right? You can be, and that's really that word uh, deceived as the idea of being led astray, being led someplace you shouldn't be going. Uh, it's used several times in the New Testament to warn about false teachers, about false prophets that will take you places it will seem right, and it's not. It will feel good, but it's a path that leads to trouble and destruction. People who look like they are good and godly turn people away from Jesus and his truth. So be on the alert. Don't be deceived. You can be fooled. You can get off track. And one of the big reasons is those fleshly desires within us. We want what feels good to us. Understand, just because you feel something strongly doesn't mean it's right. Just because something feels good doesn't mean it's right. Just because someone sounds very intellectual and intelligent doesn't mean they won't lead you astray. All those things can take you down a path that you shouldn't be on. And so Paul warns the Galatians who have had false teachers come in, don't be deceived. Well, in what area is he concerned that they might be deceived about? Well, he's been talking about our, our life, right? We're not under the law, but walking by the Spirit. And he gives them a, an inviolable violable truth when he says, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that you will reap. It's just a basic rule of life, as certain as that physical planting we do, right? It's like the law of gravity. It's principle of cause and effect. Illustrated from creation itself, even for those of us who aren't farmers, who aren't gardeners, we can get it, right? The kind and the amount of seed is reflected in the crop that you harvest. You can't go out and sow oats or throw weed seed in the ground and expect to get a harvest of corn, right? You can't just throw a handful of seed out and expect to get bushels and bushels of something good as a result. What you plant has a direct impact on what you reap and how much you reap. He says, don't mock God. You can't mock God in this area. He has put this principle into life and you will see the results of what you live. That, that would be, to, to, to ignore this and say, I can just live however I want to, I can do whatever I want to, and there won't be consequences, he's saying is to mock God. Uh, and to, to ignore this principle is to act as though God has no power or wisdom. 
Well, that word mock is an interesting one. It means to turn up the nose at someone or something. And this is talking about God. You're going to just turn up your nose at God and say, huh, doesn't, doesn't matter what you say. Doesn't matter what you think is true. It's an act of derision. It's an act of scorn. And it's what we do when we think, I can sin. I can do what I please and it won't matter. There won't be any consequences. And that mocking can be blatant. We can do it outright and say that we're doing it. Or it can simply be being a matter of not willing to, being willing to give someone their ideas, their authority, the time of day. And in this case, it's talking about God. God, I'm just not willing to give you the time of day about what you say is good or right. I mean, stop and think about it. If you taunt a strong man and call him weak, will he be mocked? <laughs> and I think you're going you're to find yourself in trouble, aren't you? Oh, you can do it. You can mock a strong man, but there will be consequences. You can do this to God, but it will not end well. He is the creator. He is the designer of all that exists. So you can pretend to know more than he does. You can even believe that. But there will be serious consequences. And even for believers, there will be consequences if we ignore his ways. And so as Paul continues on, he, he says, what, you, what, what a man sows, this he will reap. Verse 8 for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So you have two ways this can go. You can sow to the flesh, or to please your own flesh is another way it could be put. And of course, this is where the, the focus has been in Galatians already, right? Chapter 5 has talked about the deeds of the flesh. Those things you really want to do to please yourself according to your own way of doing it. Not God's way of, of bringing pleasure to you, but your own ways. Going against his design, against his truth. The deeds of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit are the contrasting outcomes of what is in our hearts. The believer can be deceived and think that in their freedom that they can, they can just go about and sin, right? Started off, you know, in chapter, chapter 5, you've been, you know, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. So don't, don't let anyone take your freedom away. But freedom is not just license to sin, not just to indulge your flesh. So you can, you can deceive yourself or be deceived by someone, think I can just go ahead and do what pleases me, that I can sin and get away with it and there will be no consequences. But Paul says, no, this principle can't be violated. What you sow, you will reap. So if you sow according to the things that your flesh is telling you to do, contrary to God, it will have results that match. Understand, we are secure in our salvation. It's a gift. But what we do now still matters and still has an impact. Now this verb to sow is, is one of those present tense verbs. In other words, it's an ongoing pattern of life. So you keep on sowing to the flesh, you will keep on reaping the consequences of doing that. Are actions characterized then by making ourselves pleased 
whenever we want, however we want, and comfortable above doing what is good and right? If that's the case, then we are sowing to the flesh, or, or sowing to please the flesh. And notice that, that he says there in verse 8, for the one who sows to his own flesh. Notice the personal nature of this planting that he's talking about. If, if just what we, it's just what we, we see in, in James chapter 1, which I think I skipped in the previous point, <laughs> uh, but back in being led astray. But let's go ahead and take, take a look at that. James chapter 1, verses 13 through 16. Because we can be led astray, and it, and it is a very personal thing. Because the things that I will fall for, the things that I will go astray for, are not the same things that you will go astray for, according to James. It says, James 1, verse 13, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself will not tempt anyone, but each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. So the call here is, is, is that you yourself, so according to the specific lusts and desires of your own heart. So you better let the Lord do some examining. Right? What are the things I want, Lord, that you don't want? What are the things I want that I want too much? There are things you want for me, but I want they've become way too important. What are the things that I'm willing to sin in order to get? Those are our own lusts, right? And when we pursue those, we are sowing according to our own flesh. And when you invest in those things, when you plant those kind of things, when you give so much of your energy to those things, understand that those are things that have no life. So they cannot produce a life-giving crop. You have that little dry seed, right? And you look at it and you say, is that alive? Well, it doesn't look like it, does it? But inside there is life. And you put that in the ground where there's nutrients. And you give it water and you give it sunshine and life comes out of it. But according to, the, to, to Paul in Galatians here, what you get when you sow to the flesh is corruption. It's, it's a continually going downhill and getting worse. So you might say, it's, it's, it, although even these have life, but it's kind of like sowing noxious weeds instead of wheat. Right? You throw the deeds of your flesh out there into life. And, so, and the crop comes up, but it's not, what, it's not a good crop. Matter of fact, like noxious weeds, I mean, they don't provide nourishing harvests, do they? They make the land that they grow in unsuitable for farming. They choke out other good plants, and they spread themselves all over the place, right? 
That's really what it's like to sow to the flesh. Only worse, because he says here, it just brings about corruption or death. Because there's no life in the deeds of the flesh. And so they tend to just kind of eat away at the things that are good where they're planted. I mean, just stop and think about uh, one of the deeds of the flesh. There's, there's uh, the one that we looked at in chapter 5 that have to do with, with sexual immorality. If that's what is, is being produced out of your heart, think of what it does when we plant those into our life. And by the way, this is not just sexual acts, but what goes on in our, our minds, because Jesus talked about that, right? It's lusting in your, in your heart is, is the same kind of thing as actually carrying it out. But sexual immorality produces what? Guilt. Wrong views of others that are, are, are just seen through the lens of sex. Produces broken relationships. It produces lies and cover-ups. It produces STDs, bitterness, mistrust, unwanted pregnancies, difficulties for the children who are, are born because of sexual immorality, and the list goes on. Uh, this deed of the flesh also wipes out good things that had been accomplished in the past. A godly person who gets involved in sexual immorality actually wipes out a good reputation and influence that they once, once had. They also harm the reputation or the testimony of the church of God with unbelievers who need to, be, to, to believe so that they can be saved. And yet when we, we sow according to the flesh in this area, people say, well, look at that. They're really no different than we are. They're all just chasing after what they want in this area. And generations of people can actually be impacted when we sow according to the flesh in the area of sexual immorality. That's corruption, isn't it? And it just spreads, just like a noxious weed, making more and more things harder and unproductive. And it's a problem. It takes sinful anger, another deed of the flesh, right? What, is it, what does that produce when we sow it, when, when that goes out into our lives and with the people around us? Well, it produces guilt. It produces broken relationships. It produces fear, both in us and in the people that we are angry with. Held on to it produces bitterness. It kind of rots down inside of a person. Pride, division. We start avoiding certain people, they start avoiding us, which leads to loneliness, which leads to really only seeing the worst in, the worst in others because we're, we're just... Well, for one thing, we're probably not communicating with them. We're just beating them down with our words. So you can see how the, the corruption that he's talking, here, here is what you reap when you sow to please your flesh, when you sow according to the deeds of your flesh inside of you. And we could go on with the, you know, various lists. But what about the little sins? Are there little sins? Well, we act like there are, right? There are sins that we find acceptable. You know, you think of, of the little things, you know, oh, a little lie here, a little bit of gossip, a little bit of laziness, you know, a little bit of, of gluttony. 
what you reap, what you sow, you will reap, right? Something in, in, that matches up to the seed that you put into the ground is going to grow up into your life. And we know it, don't we? We've seen how our lives have been impacted by the fact that we've chosen to say, even though I love Jesus, even though he has saved me, even though he has laid out a good life for me, I really want to do this in this moment. Or maybe I'm still, I'm still holding on to that pattern, that rut of sin. Paul says it, it produces a crop. And it's a crop that degrades and pulls things apart. John MacArthur's commentary, he, he explains it like this. He says, a persistently sinning believer can sometimes be more miserable than an unbeliever simply because his sin is in constant conflict and warring against his new nature in Christ. The sinning Christian has a battle raging within him that an unbeliever never experiences. The believer who sows to his own flesh does not lose the spirit, but he loses the fruit of the Spirit, among which are love, joy, peace, and patience. See, David did not pray, restore my salvation to me, but restore to me the joy of my salvation. That's from Psalm 51. So you see, believers can make their lives pretty miserable by sowing to the flesh. The alternative he gives us, though, is to sow to the Spirit. The good news is that as a, as a new creation in Christ and someone who is united with him in the new covenant, you and I have the ability to sow toward the good things that the Holy Spirit is doing, to join him in those good things in the good ways that he has instructed us in. There are good consequences when we do this, just like when we plant good seeds in the soil, right? They grow up and you get a multiplied crop of that good thing that you put into the ground. Uh, this idea of sowing to the Spirit, you could also say sowing to please the Spirit. Um, it is, it's an ongoing pattern, again, a present tense verb of life that is spoken of as sowing. So, so what, what kinds of things are flowing out of your life on a regular basis? If they're the things that the, that the Scripture teaches us are good and we know that the Holy Spirit is moving us in, that's what you're sowing, and that is what you will reap. But when we, keep on, when we keep in step with the Spirit, we do what pleases Him. Our actions have God's glory first and foremost. There's a good, good way to look at it. Am I sowing to the Spirit? Well, are the things I'm doing going to bring God glory, help people to see that He is great? See, we seek to reflect His character in our actions, and by His power when we sow to the Spirit, or according to the Spirit. It doesn't just affect that moment, but it actually it builds a context for all of our future actions and relationships when we sow according to the Spirit. It's building our future context. It's building our future environment. So often we get into a place in life and we say, how did I end up here? Well, I can tell you, it was what you sowed before. It impacted your circumstances today. It impacted the relationships you have today. It impacts the way you've, the kind of patterns of thought that you have today. And interestingly, what he says here is when you, 
when you sow to the Spirit, you reap what? Eternal life. Now, we've got to stop and, and explain about that one so we don't get mixed up. That, some people might say, oh, that's how you get eternal life, is by sowing according to... Well, it doesn't mean that we earn the gift of eternal life by doing what pleases the Spirit. That would contradict most of the book of Galatians, which makes it very clear that salvation, the forgiveness of our sins, and the gift of eternal life is a gift. Okay? We're not, we don't earn it by doing what the law says, but we do it, but, but we, we believe. We just say, I trust you, Jesus. And he gives us the gift of forgiveness. He gives us the gift of eternal life. This eternal life he's talking about here, when you so according to the Spirit, is, experience, is experiencing what we have or what has become ours. While we're in this life, in these bodies, and with our old patterns of sin, sin still fighting to be dominant, we have a choice. And we can keep on experiencing the corruption that comes from the sin that's in this world. Or we can enjoy the fruit of the Spirit. That is real life, when we experience in our lives love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. We are experiencing eternal life. As God's character is made evident in your life, you are experiencing eternal life. Not only does your relationship with God deepen, but you're also creating a context for your relationships with others. You're setting a context for patterns of thought that lead to an increasingly better life. Eternal life, what is it? Well, eternal life begins at the point of believing. It does, you don't, eternal life doesn't start when you die. Eternal life starts at the point that you believe and are given that gift and, and extends out into eternity. It's not just length of life, it's a quality of life. It's not just a lifestyle, it's knowing the life giver who is life himself. So it's when we, when we plant, when we, when we sow according to the Spirit, what we reap is experiencing that good life that we have been given. And I just want us to remind ourselves that Jesus is Life. I'm going to read several scriptures. I'm just going to read right through them just to remind us that again and again we are told that. Uh, three out of the book of John. John chapter 11, 25. <clears throat> Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. John 14 and verse 6 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And then a key one for me as I, as I learned about this, this idea over the years, John chapter 17, verse 3. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. 
Just briefly have to say, did you get that? This is eternal life, knowing God, knowing our Savior Jesus. That is eternal life. That a favorite in Colossians, chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who what, is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with Him in glory. Christ who is our life, right? He is life. And even right here in the book of Galatians, go back to chapter 2, verse 20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. See, the, the life, the eternal life that we, that we reap is experiencing the richness of knowing our Savior and knowing that that's going to continue on and continue on and continue on into eternity. But understand, as, as we walk in this life, sometimes it gets hard, doesn't it? Sometimes it seems like, is anything changing? My circumstances just seem to get harder. What's the deal? Well, verse 9 is the deal. He says, let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time, we will reap if we do not grow weary. See, the danger is, is, is that we might lose heart and, and grow weary. Uh, the walk of this life can be difficult. It can be challenging. We don't know how long or how much opposition we're going to face in this life. We don't know what kind of difficulty we're going to have, right? We live in a broken world, and in it is sickness and disease, and our bodies are decaying day by day, aren't they? And it's easy to say, well, I've just, I just had enough. I'm not going to invest in people. I'm not going to be doing those things God's leading me into. I'm just too tired. I can't do this anymore. Just facing the challenges of living in a dying, sin-cursed world can wear a person down. And Paul was familiar with that. The things he went through, the, 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 the things he did, and it seemed like the people he ministered to didn't change. You know, he spent 18 months of his life in Corinth, raising up and training a church there, and always having to write them letters, and going back and visiting, say, come on, understand this. Grab hold of this new life that is yours in Christ. Put off that old life that was yours before. But the beauty of living in the body of Christ is thankfully we don't all get weary and downhearted at the same time. So if you look around you at the people around you, you're a key in them not getting weary, not losing heart. Because as, as you are experiencing and seeing some of the fruit of 
the, th the way you've, you've followed after Christ in your life, maybe somebody else is having a hard time seeing the harvest. They can't imagine that it's going to actually bear fruit that is good. So share with them the good things God is doing in your life. Come alongside and say, I know it seems like a long time, but hang in there. The fruit is coming. The good is coming. Because it takes a while for worthwhile things to happen, right? Just like putting that seed in the ground. You're not going to have a harvest tomorrow or even next week, right? Most things take many weeks and even months to mature and to be ready. Some things, you know, if you're planting certain kinds of trees, can take years to produce a crop that can really be used. He says in the same way, don't get worn out. Keep on going. The good things and the relationship with our Savior reach new levels of intimacy over time. The way you knew him as a new believer is wonderful. But the depths of time and walking through hard times with Jesus can't be rushed. And you can't achieve that intimacy with him in any other way than walking with him through difficult days. The reaping of that intimacy with him and new levels of love, joy, patience, peace, and so on has to come when the process has reached the right point. So in due time, when it's the right season, you'll see the harvest. But you have to be persistent. You got to keep moving the pipe, right? You got to keep getting rid of the weeds. You got to keep doing what has to be done so that when it's the right time, you'll see the harvest. Paul here in verse 10 says, now is time to farm. Now is the time to farm. He says, so while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So do it while it's the season to do it, right? You understand if you garden or if you farm, there's, there's a certain window you have to get those seeds in the ground. You wait too long, eh, it might sprout up, but you won't get much of a harvest. You plant it too early, but we're in the window, he says. Now is the time. Just like the needs of the plant come at a particular time of year, we can do this sowing now, and it will come, there will come a time when we won't have that opportunity anymore. This age will be over. We live in this really interesting tiny little bit of eternity where we can do this sowing. Planting and the results of a good harvest don't just happen by accident. And neither does the planting by the Spirit. And once again, I've jumped over a passage. Now would be a good time to go back to James 5, verses 7 and 8. Because he kind of puts it all together in a way that fits here as well as back where I had put it in the, in the outline. It says, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it, until it gets the early and late rains. You too be patient, strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. So while we're waiting, the Lord's coming, right? He's coming back. That window's going to be done. We won't have that opportunity any longer once he comes and takes us out of this world. But right now, we're in planting season. We're in sowing season. The reaping's yet to come. Some of it we get to see. We get to see some of those results, don't we? 
in the growth in our own lives, as people are impacted around us. It says, but keep on planting and sowing and caring. And, it, and he defines it really as, what, what are we supposed to be doing? Well, he says, you're supposed to be doing good, right? Doing good to who? To all. Now, your, your version may include the word men or people, but it's, it's really just very broad. Doing good to all. You know, so, you know, walk up to somebody on the street. Are they included in all? Yeah, you are, right? It's kind of a broad word, but it means everyone. But he does say, but especially to those who are of the household of faith. So where do you start? You start at home, right? What's the household of faith? Well, it's those that you're looking at. Just look around the room. Maybe they're not all here, okay? But here's the household of faith. Start, practice doing good with those that are right here. And then as you see opportunity outside the, you know, this group, be doing it there. You're planting. You will reap. Keep it going. Basically, it comes back to the summary of the law, right? Love your neighbor. 1 John chapter 3, verse 14. Take a look at what, what he, he says about that. 1 John chapter 3. Verse 14, we know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. So here's evidence that you actually have life. You're not dead anymore, but you have life because you do love your brothers and sisters in Christ. You do have a love that reaches beyond your brothers and sisters in Christ, those in the world around you who many hopefully will become brothers and sisters in Christ because you've shared the gospel and they believe, right? Keep on planting. It's planting the gospel, but it's planting, doing what is good, what is truly best for others, right? Love, joy, doing life joyfully is planting. Peace, doing it, knowing he's got you bound up, wrapped up. There's going to be results from that, some of which we won't see until eternity. So remember, in this life, it's always springtime. Right? It's always time for planting good seeds by joining God in what he's doing, especially for others. The beauty of, is that, the beauty of that is, is that we get to do some things that are reaping in this life, too. We do get to see some of those results, don't we? Most importantly, we get to grow in our own personal relationship with Jesus. We get to understand him. We get to know him more and more. That's the greatest reaping of eternal life, is the sweetness, the richness, the fullness of knowing God. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you have privileged us in this way. Thank you that, just like the... Uh, farmer puts his seed in the ground and then it goes into your control and later there's a, there's a crop because of what you've how you've designed it all to work lord we can have hope too to 
to plant with our lives according to the Spirit, to sow according to the Spirit in the lives of other believers, to, to sow into the lives of unbelievers, uh, demonstrating the fruit of your Spirit. And you are the one who, who makes the harvest happen. And we can, with confidence, do that planting. And so I pray, Lord, you'd be at work. Having given us the gift of life, Lord, by your Spirit, help us to use that life for things that last for eternity. Yes, we often fail, and yet you are so faithful and patient and persistent with us. Uh, lead us into repentance where we've chosen to, to sow according to the flesh, and, and lead us into sowing by your Spirit, into a, a harvest of what is so good. In Jesus' name we pray.